We the bestest cast with the left twist. Fat, barely well dressed. Put me on the guest list. The guest list. Uh, yeah, on the guest list. Yeah. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another week of On the Guest List with Fox trying to get down White Sox, Dave, Kenny, Carkey, and Dante. Hopefully, Dante will be joining us shortly. I don't think Kenny's showing up, but before we even get started anywhere, congratulations to Kenny Carkey. He had his kids. They're beautiful. Kenny did a great job. Uh, Dave had an all-time response in the group chat. Uh, we were all like, congrats, Kenny, dude. Love you so much. Congratulations. And Dave responded with a simple... Don't care. Don't care, which is exactly what Kenny would have said back to any of us. But not legit, though. Kenny's been sending me pictures all week, dude. Kids are adorable. Do you still not care, or are you, you all right with it now? Uh, I mean, it's not like I'm thinking about it unless it's presented in front of my face. Like, oh, man, I wonder how Kenny and his family's doing. So I don't really care, but good for him, I guess. <laughs> You're such an asshole, dude. Yeah. Oh, man. Dave, how are you, buddy? Oh, uh, I'm a little fired up, but... That's nothing new. What are you fired up about? Uh, the internet. The about internet. what? Um, multiple things, actually. Uh, so there was a little confusion between myself and Dave Portnoy, my boss, <laughs> on Elton John tickets. He sent an email on Monday saying, hey, uh, Patty and Molly, our two UFC fighters, are going to be in Chicago on Saturday and getting them a suite for Elton John on Friday. There's one ticket who wants, or he's like, only one ticket right now. Let me know who's in. So I interpreted that as one ticket total for the four of us available. I already had plans, so I didn't respond. Carl responded right away saying, I'm in for Elton John. Sweet. Carl's got the ticket. All that's it. So he, Dave Portnoy texts me yesterday and he's like, are you going to Elton John? I'm like, no, Carl's got the ticket. And he's like, I invited all you guys. I'm like, and I reread the email. I'm like, well, I took that as one ticket available. And he's like, no, I meant plus ones. I'm like, well, I already like I'm out. I already have I have another concert I'm going to. And that was basically the conversation. And um, then on the Porno show, he calls me a piece of shit for not responding. <laughs> but I thought that there was no response necessary. So it's just a confusion. And of course, Carl hops in and uh, we duke it out on the Internet. I'm sure there will be plenty of duking it out to go on uh, today throughout the rest of the day. And that's all there is to it. But it was just confusion. And um, I hope they enjoy Elton John. I've seen him many times. He's very good. Have you seen Elton John? I have not seen Elton John, but uh, he was just in Philly and I missed that concert. You live in a constant state of battle. Yeah, I do. It's, it's unbelievable. I know. I was just on fucking, I was on Twitter and I, that video popped up and I just retweeted it with this. Every time Portnoy comes to you, I retweet the exact same thing. And I say, oh no, David. Oh God. I mean, it is what it is. It is what it is. <laughs> like, just got to take the internet's punches and go from there. You have the thickest skin of anybody I've ever met. And the, but the internet would tell you otherwise. They'd say I'm a thin skin, like the bagel boss dude. I'm like, what the fuck are you talking about? Like, I'm telling you my side of, of the story, my version of events. You, in the you, end, it's like it was an invite thing. Like, hey, who wants to go? Hey, I got other plans. Sorry, can't go. Why is it a thing at, at all? You know, you have taught me over this past year how to deal with this shit and i was actually just talking to my wife about this last night with all the i've been posting a lot of like front-facing stuff on the barstool backstage page and every time there's just some twitter egg who's like fuck this guy you're not funny get the fuck out of here like and every time i just respond with the classic lol i really like i admire you for the fact that you can take the punches on such a constant basis it's but amazing. i'll come back at people though like oh that, i know people think i have thin skin it's like dude Think of it this way. 
you have a profile picture that's of not you and it'll be like and like the username will be like scrody mcbooger balls <laughs> because you are afraid of what you will get if people know your identity because you're afraid to put your face to your words yep i have the thin skin i'm coming at you because you made a dickhead comment to me about something you have nothing to do with you fucking loser and your profile picture is you actually in a physical confrontation. It's you and John Cusack. Exactly. exactly. You're about that fucking smooth, dude. And I, I appreciate that. And I don't know, man. I, I saw that video and it made me laugh. But then it made it reminded me that you're going to the Windy City Smokeout, right? Yes. Fucking shout out everybody there. Uh, by the way, I said shout out correctly. Didn't the, the, you did. You did. I appreciate that. Um, I listen sometimes. We got a loaded lineup. Uh, let's go from the top. So Windy City Smokeout, it's about... Uh, probably about eight, nine years old now. I think I started going back in like 2014, 15, and it was a smaller, much smaller event then. It was held in the parking lot of the old Tribune building where it's basically just a storage facility now. Um, five minutes from where I live now, actually like five minute walk. And um, there are thousands of people, maybe they'd get like eight, 9,000 people. It was, and I saw um, Chris Stapleton there back in like 2014 or 15. And I don't, I'm not a country music fan. But there was, and he was side stage while the main acts were going on and everything. There was maybe like 50 or 70 people watching him. And I was alone. I was getting beer and I just happened to stumble on a stage. So I checked him out for a minute. I'm like looking around. I remember I'm like, dude, this guy's fucking awesome. And like two, three years later, he's winning every Grammy award on the planet. Literally every Grammy award. Yeah. And he's a fucking mega star. So, but now it's like a huge, huge deal in Chicago. It's a four day event. We got, um, tonight is... Uh, Willie Nelson, Turnpike Troubadours, and Zach Bryan and Morgan Wade. Tomorrow what? is Russell Dickerson, Tim McGraw, Nico Moon, who I'm not familiar with, Tierra Kennedy. Saturday is Lily Rose, Mackenzie Porter, Jordan Davis, and Sam Hunt, who's like the hottest dude on earth. Sam and Hunt, a certified hot dude. The hottest guy ever. <laughs> um, and Friday's Miranda Lambert, Kit Moore, Flatland Cavalry, Mike and the Moon Pies. And on Saturday, our guy Dante is DJing between sets. Wherever the fuck Dante is, but yo, that's an outlandish lineup. Yeah, it's crazy big now, crazy Holy big, and it's at actually... the United Center, but it's in the parking lot, so like you're around the United Center, not right. inside the United Center. So it's like if you see the bird's eye view, it's like hundreds of thousands of people. It's basically not, it's not Lollapalooza, but it's like a fuck ton of people. I'd say a hundred thousand people. We're gonna get into Lala in a second. We're gonna get into some other things, but this the country thing actually brought me up to something I wanted to ask you real quick. I have this specifically for you. We're doing a fuck, Mary kill. And I want your opinion on this because I want to see where you go with this. So fuck, Mary kill. Country music, rap music, and jazz music. Fucking rap, killing country, marrying jazz. You're going to marry jazz? I'm marrying jazz, yeah. But you're going to a country festival. I know. I don't like country music, though. I just happen to love the Turnpike Troubadours because they're like more bluegrass, twangy, Americana country. Yeah. I don't like, like, I mean, I like Kenny Chesney's songs. I like... Blake Shelton songs. It's more about the vibe. The, the vibe at country concerts is unmatched. So my buddy, like in 2015 or so, he won tickets to Kenny Chesney at Soldier Field. He was like the 10th caller at our local FM station and won the ticket. So we went and it was my first ever country concert. Actually, no, I, I'd been to um, Country USA one one other time, but I like didn't even listen to the music. I just got hammered the whole time I was in college. <laughs> but um, the vibes at country con concerts are like awesome. Awesome. It's the only place you can show up shirtless in like cut off jorts and a cowboy hat and feel like a normal person. Yep. Unbelievable. That's what I'm going to do. do that tomorrow, I think. 
I can't wait to see it, dude. Uh, yep. By the way, I, I I saw clips of the uh, rediscovering America. You were you were. I remember when you did that. You were not lying. You were on a different fucking planet. Oh, it's it's a different planet. Yeah, yeah. So that, was, that came out last night. Everybody should go check that out. That's on Don <laughs> or uh, not Dante the Don. Donnie does his uh, YouTube channel, and I told you it's a wild scene, man. It's a wild scene. Everybody's just drinking twenty four hours a day, like you bookmark a little sleep time and then you wake up and start drinking immediately. i feel like i needed like a tetanus shot after watching that like you it was probably did i didn't go in the pool at all donnie did i'm sure he's got many 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 diseases diseases but did you put money in a, did you put money in a girl's ass? uh and her little like <laughs> bottom, yeah oh my god i was watching that. i'm like this guy's in his fucking element but uh yeah we have a lot to get into before we get into the interview but the interview this week is with max hype aka proto hype and i wanted to do this for a specific reason We've never really had anybody from the EDM world on. I know nothing about the EDM world. Do you? No. No, I know absolutely fucking nothing. This guy's a huge name in the dubstep world. And it was me and Caleb, who's a Barstool Backstage intern, who pushed me to do this because he was like, this guy's a big fucking deal. Like, this is dubstep, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, I don't know what anybody's talking about here, but I want to talk to the guy. I want to learn. And Caleb was like a huge fan. So he was like the fact checker of the group. And, uh, I did learn a lot for one, two, the dude's fucking awesome. And three, we now have a liaison into the dubstep world. So I can learn. I felt like I was like looking into a different dimension. I'll say this every time it's thrown on and that's like, you got to be in a very appropriate setting for that kind of music. I do enjoy it. It's just like, I wouldn't be driving down to the office listening to it, you know? No, and that, that was my whole thing is like, I never find the appropriate situation. Like it's never- It's, it's very we, rare for me too. Cause I'm sitting in like dive bars and stuff, you know? That's what I'm talking about. So like, yeah. this was like a, from like a documentarian perspective, I was like, this is fucking sick. Cause now, now if I have any questions, I have somebody to go to, but we have prototype coming up in a little while. Really, really funny conversation. Uh, but Dave, you were living in hell this weekend. Lollapalooza was going on. What was the city like? Honestly, this is the first year that I personally, like, I don't go to Lollapalooza because one, I'm, I feel like I'm too old. I don't know if I actually am or I'm not, but because many older people do go, but um, it's the first time, like, it didn't really seem like it got too out of control because usually you read the police blotter morning after each night. And it's like, it's just a laundry list of funny fucking stories. <laughs> like, oh, police had to arrest a dude pissing from the top of a tree like right yeah, crowd yeah. and stuff like that i didn't hear anything like that um and i i avoid that part of the city on the on lala weekend because it's just such a zoo like you can't drive you can't walk you're dealing with a bunch of drunk idiots um so i it was fine it was fine um i heard that it wasn't that great from like a concert goers perspective though really yeah so my sister, so I had boots on the ground. My older sister and her husband were at Lala. They flew into Chicago. I didn't even know they were going. And they went for the Dua Lipa night. So it was like Dua Lipa and Machine Gun Kelly. And they said it was, they said Dua Lipa was fucking incredible. And they said Chicago makes Philly look like a shithole, which I said, by the way, don't come home because that's a bullshit statement. That is an absolute bullshit statement. It's a super clean state city. Sure, but you're also like in Grant Park, like downtown. Oh, yeah, you know yeah. I mean, yeah. like you, you're not like living in Chicago. I was like, fuck you, get out of here. But I will say something hilarious happened because um, they texted me like 
do you know where to go? We're staying near Well Street. And I was like, oh, that's Dante's Bars right there. And Dante was throwing that Lala after party thing at Uproar. That's right. So I texted Dante and I was like, yo, my sister's in town. Like, can she come through? And he's like, oh, my God, absolutely, dude. When you get just tell him to throw my name at the door and they'll get him in the VIP thing, whatever. And I was like, bet, say no more. So I look like I have fucking juice. So I text my sister and her and her husband. And I'm like, yo. Go to the door, say you're on Dante's list, they'll let you in. I got a text at two o'clock in the morning from my brother-in-law saying, yo, they don't know who Dante is. <laughs> and I, was like, I was like, what the fuck? That makes no sense. He's DJing and like the owner of the place. So I never, I didn't text him back. Oh, they they uh, had to have been at the wrong place or something. No, apparently, the, the, I don't know if they had hired a different bouncer, but they got in and they said it was great. They said uproar was fucking okay. dope. But I texted Dante in the morning and I was like, yo, you got no juice, dude. Like the bouncer didn't even know who you were. And he was like, oh my God, I'm so sorry. I don't know what happened. I was like, relax. It's cool. They got in. But I just thought that was so fucking funny because it was like the one night they're in Chicago. And I'm like, oh no, don't worry about it. I got a friend yeah, who owns yeah, a spot. Like, and I was worry. like, fuck, I look like a moron. But um, from everything I saw, Lala looked okay. The thing with the kid from Stranger Things going after Metallica was really cool. Saw and, that. And good I, for Metallica. So, do you do you follow PD on Instagram? PD USA. Oh, it's, yeah, that kid's fucking hilarious. He's hilarious. Yeah. He, he plays in an actual band. So he did like a 20 minute opening set I saw. I didn't, I've never listened to his music or anything. Yeah. But uh, he, I saw he was there and like, I would have rather seen him than anything. <laughs> that kid, yeah. yo, that kid's fucking nuts. He's a fucking he's, lunatic. He's hilarious. I think he's like the, he, I am so invested into that guy's Instagram. Like Instagram and TikTok and shit. I, watch I know. Every second of them. Every I I, he's fucking hilarious and apparently he's a great musician he's selling out tours and stuff like that that's a unique perspective on how to make it in the music industry because he just did videos of himself splitting it three people and used it to launch his music career love that um yeah, good for him it's i uh we should get him on the show because he's a chicago guy i feel like he'd be pretty accessible oh let's make it. i'm i'm gonna reach out this week thanks i think that would be fucking hilarious um but i saw a lot of lala looked really good um it is really funny because uh, on the backstage page, everybody we are posting a lot of videos of Machine Gun Kelly, and everybody kept commenting and being like, "Fucking get this guy off the page! Like he sucks." And I was like, "I know, I don't like him." <laughs> it's just these, these videos keep getting sent to me. Um, but yeah, I, I got to somehow find a way to walk that line without getting murdered by Dante to just start shitting on Machine Gun Kelly again. Um, but other than that, I did go to a concert this past weekend to cover it. A friend of ours, friend of the program, might be listening to this. I got ghosted by the Black Keys at um, Freedom Mortgage Pavilion in Camden. They did give me photo passes. I was in the pit shooting the show. It was great. The show was fucking incredible. They did an entire part of their set as blues covers. But I'm talking to Patrick Carney all day, and then the show comes, and I never hear back from him, and I waited like a fucking moron, like a fan, till like 1 in the morning outside the dressing room. Never got the interview, which I also can't complain about because we had the guy on a month ago and he's kind of changed the trajectory, trajectory of the podcast. So I really can't like be that fucking mad. But, you know, come on. <laughs> it happens, whatever. It happens, dude. The day of the show is so fucking hectic and I couldn't imagine what it's like to be in the midst of a tour where you've sold out 20,000 person venues all week. But it was cool. I got to see a lot of like radio friends who were there. I saw a lot of people that I hadn't seen in a while. It, it was fun and shit. But it does bring up the fact that we are going and shooting with OARG Love and Dispatch in two weeks. And I officially got it signed off on. I'm doing a harmonica battle with G Love backstage. He's excited. I'm excited. 10 year old Colin is fucking losing his mind. I can't wait. It's going to be so fucking sick, dude. I'm so excited. Um, but yeah, uh, Dave, so what else do we got to get into before this? Oh, shit. 
I want to know, did you listen to the new Beyonce album? I did not. I, I did didn't not. think you would. I um, I will, but I'm I'm I don't think I'll enjoy it. I'm not a huge Beyonce fan. See, I I th- this is I have this thought in my head, and I don't know why. I love Taylor, and I I think of Beyonce and Taylor Swift as like the two A list of the A list female musicians. Hundred percent, nobody higher than those two. One A, one B, absolutely. One A and one B. Either way you put it, either one could be one A or one B. And I think Taylor Swift stinks on a human level, kind of. She just seems like an uppity asshole. But I love her music. On the flip side, Beyonce seems awesome, but I don't really like her music, and I never really have. So I like. I'll it's listen. a weird fucking album, Dave. It's a fucking weird album. Like in a good, like it's very dancey. It's just like that Drake record that just came out. Like it's very much like a dance album. Um, but I will say there's something really fucking funny that happened uh, in the release of the album. So it was supposed to come out uh, last Friday and some fucking store, like a, like a record store in France, put the album on sale two days early. So some French dude got it, ripped it, put it online and spoiled everything two days before. All I could think about is like Beyonce's Illuminati connection, just fucking murdering that guy. What the fuck are you laughing about? I'm laughing at that. That's like a sweet move. It's not, it's a dick move, but I just imagine Beyonce- to me. I'm laughing at it. Beyonce in her private jet, just like on the private jet's Wi-Fi being like, I am about to make a billion dollars. And then all of a sudden she's like, what the fuck is going on? They got snipers in the trees. I got no doubt about that. Um, but yeah, so that dropped. I, I do suggest to listen to it. It's a fun listen. It's dancey. It's very summery. It's, 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 it feels like 90s house music, which is a Chicago thing. So you guys might like that. Uh, but then we got a new Joey Badass album and a new 1975 song, which they have a new album coming out, completely produced by Jack Antonoff uh, from Bleachers and Fun. Uh, he did all the Lord stuff, the new Taylor Swift stuff. I'm really excited. That shit actually sounds fucking great. I was just listening to it beforehand. Um, weird band, but I love the 1975. Um, all right, so we do have a special guest joining us after the interview. Wayne Jetsky is going to stop by to talk about the Pop Punk Show in New York. Uh, we'll get an on list, off list, but let's go into our interview with Proto Hype. All right, ladies and gentlemen, on the guest list today, we have a DJ, producer, label owner. He's here to school me on what the fuck is going on in the EDM world. We have Proto Hype, aka Max Hype. Max, how are you, buddy? I'm doing excellent. Thank you for having me on to the podcast. I'm happy to be here. Dude, thank you for being here. And I've said this numerous times on the podcast. We, as a podcast, are, you know, we act like we fucking know everything, but the EDM world is the one side that I don't know shit about. And therefore, I had to bring in somebody to be able to speak the language. We have Caleb, who's a Barstool intern, helps run backstage here as well. Caleb, how are you, buddy? I'm rocking and rolling. It's a little early, but let's go. <laughs> it's fucking 10.30. Are you in, where are you? Where are you right it's now? 11.30, bro. I'm EST. Jesus oh, Christ. Okay. It's not early, dude. It's it's I was getting back-to-back early. dubs on the box last night, bro. I'm fucking tired. <laughs> oh, my fucking God. See, I've never met Caleb before. We, t- we text all the time, but I've never met him before, so this is interesting. Started <laughs> getting back-to-back dubs <laughs> on the box. Jesus Christ. Uh, Max, dude, thank you for being here today. And I like to start out with a point every time, just like a little thing to kind of like ingratiate who you are. But like I said, I'm not a big EDM guy. I'm here to learn. But I do. I I knew the name Protohype from somewhere. And I remembered it's from the fucking Tom Morello album that dropped last year. How the hell did you link up with Tom Morello? So um, a good friend of mine in Nashville, Hunter Williams, who is an agent at CAA, 
um, does a bunch of my friends and is just someone I've known for a really long time growing up in Nashville. Um, he, I guess, is just friends with Tom. And um, so a few years back, I think it was actually like maybe four years, he dropped this first album where he like kind of enlisted, you know, like an army of pro like electronic music producers to kind of take some maybe unfinished old ideas. You know, he's always kind of done his own thing outside of Rage. Mm. And um, so he had all these, you know, that was the first Atlas Underground album that he put out. So it was like a bunch of EDM guys kind of all over the place. And then he was going to do it again. And I actually even think he might be doing another one, but I, I'm not sure. But um, so he was, again, kind of looking for producers to help him. And um, I I don't know why Hunter <laughs> brought up my name. You know, there's a lot of guys that are better than me. But like I was I got the phone call. Hunter calls me and he's like, yo, do you want to produce a track with Tom Morello? And I was like. Yes, I was like, of course I do that. I was like, are you fucking with me? Are you? Uh, and he was like, no. He was like, all right, I'm going to give Tom your number. And I was like, okay. Um, and uh, like a few minutes later, I get, a, I get a phone call and it's like, Max, this is Tom Morello. And I was like, are you fucking kidding me? He just calls me on the phone. And um, we, he was just so cool. And he was like, you know, this is kind of the, the vision for the project. He, again, was kind of doing you know, enlisting all these different styles of music producers. Um, and I think there's one other electronic track on the album, but mine is the only one that's like an aggressive uh, electronic music EDM dubstep track, you know? Um, and I just kind of talked to him on the phone and I was like, I was like, what kind of song do you want to make? You know, what kind of tempos do you like? What's the energy, you know? And he was like, I'm just going to send you a bunch of riffs. He was like, what are your favorite tempos? And I was like, you know, dubstep is all at 140 beats per minute or 150 beats per minute. Um, and I was like, well, I like dubstep tempo. I like these other tempos. And, you know, these are the keys that I like to ride in. He was like, all right, cool. I got you. And literally within 10 minutes, my phone just starts going bing, 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 bing. And he's sending me voice memos. He, I guess he had his phone just next to his amp, like his guitar amp, <laughs> and was recording these ideas on his phone. And I was like, and he was sending to me, and they're all just like the most shredding Rage Against the Machine riffs what? ever, you know. And I'm just like sitting here, just um, my fiance was bartending, and I was just kind of chilling out at her brewery, just chilling. And I'm just like shitting, just <laughs> listening to these. They are just all like, it was like just hearing these on because you know, as far as musicians go, I think Tom Morello is definitely considered one of the best like riff writers of all time. You know, like every Rage song is so riff driven. And the dude is just also just kind of from an experimental point of view, like, you know, when he would rock the guitar with the fucking wrench and shit. And like, oh, yeah, the dude is just a, an icon, obviously. But he's like sending me he's like, and I'm like, dude, these are so sick. But he, he sends me like, like literally 40. He's a fucking and, you're not the first person I've met that's worked with Tom. They say the exact same thing. Like, he's fucking prolific. He's a monster. Yeah. Totally. Dude, I think, like, if you're thinking about it, like, because I am in that world, I'm in the fucking rock world. Mm -hmm. like, if there was ever someone who actually might have paved the way slightly for, like, what dubstep was going to wind up being, Tom doing the shit with the octave pedals and these weird right. offbeat kind of a things, like, totally. I feel like it's actually kind of, like, a perfect marriage. It wasn't easy. It was really easy. Like, you know, normally, like, my style of music is normally more, like, kind of more melodic driven and big chords and kind of like what I would call like main stage dubstep, like a little bit more like poppy, I guess. But, and I had never really done this kind of like metal 
esque rock and roll type dubstep, and I was it was really easy to make the song when you have that just like it started with that riff, and I just wrote an entire song around it. You know, Tom's part is like just this the guitar, you know, and I, I did every everything else. Um, and it was just like really easy, and I was like, okay, and I was kind of walking him through what it's like how to make a dubstep track because he you know had had been a part and collaborated on a on several of them before but i don't think he had ever been this involved um you know like i said about the first album he was kind of just sending out old stems but I, for this one we you know we wrote something from scratch and i was like you know and like a main thing in dubstep is you need the like the pitch down pre-drop vocal that's normally like kind of like the type of the name of the song and um i was like tom we need vocals for this song i was like i was like can we get zach and he was like uh, no he was like no we can't i was like i was like okay okay i was like i had to ask i had to ask and um he was like no and i was like all right well we need just like these like s sayings you know just like get on the get on the phone record a voice memo, just say whatever the fuck comes to mind that's like hype you know because he was he wanted to make a super hype dubstep track and i was like okay i'm your guy i got you and i guess he was chilling with his son and his mother and starts like i was like tom you can say anything this is, this is going to be the name of the song you could say whatever the fuck you want it's going to happen right before the drop it can be anything and he he sends you this voice memo of him like speaking in an english accent and he's like charmed i'm sure and i was like <laughs> what the fuck? i was like what the i was like this is amazing i was like i could not have drawn this Ron, John, this like this, like couldn't have thought this up. How this is gonna work out? I was like, okay, this is great. I was like, gonna use this, I guess. I guess the track is called Charmed. I'm sure now. That's that's fine. That's great. And <laughs> I was like, but we need we need more. I was like, we need a bunch because I want to be able to kind of you know have have a bunch of different options. And um, he was like, cool. I'm gonna get my kid, my like my kid to do it and my mom to do it. And I was like, okay. I was like, I was like, that's sick. I was like, fuck yeah. Like, you know, Tom's mom is, is a legend. She's yes. like a rock and roll legend, right? Like, and I was like, this is an honor. I was like, and she, and <laughs> I was like, okay, you got to get him to say like something really hype that's going to like get the, get the listeners hype, shit like that. I was like, you got to say like, let's go or come on or whatever, you know, chance, stuff like that. And he sends me back a few voice memos. One is just like his kid who is probably like based off of the voice, maybe seven or eight years old. And it's just like a like a minute and a half long voice memo of his kid just going like sheesh and like <laughs> let's go and like it's like it was just amazing i was like oh my god and then i get another voice memo that's his mom and his mom his, mo <laughs> his mom is like the voice memo is like god i, I wish i had it i would play it for y'all i mean it's somewhere in my ableton session but it's like his mom going what in the world is dubstep and then it's like Let's go, people. <laughs> it's just like the just in, insane. And I was like, this is just the easiest song I've ever written. This is amazing. And um, sent it back to him. And he really liked it. And then I wrote like four more um, that I don't think anyone will ever hear. But they're all done, too. But well, I don't, got, I, at least you have them for yourself. You always Yeah, the, they're mine. They're, they're, yeah, they're, they're, I mean, they're ours, obviously. But they're, they're, I don't Unless know. You want to play if, I don't think I'm allowed to. <laughs> Probably not. No. I would. I would 100% play it for you. Like all my friends have heard them, but yeah. like it sucks. I mean, I mean, I was I was just honestly super honored to even get the opportunity. Like that's the definitely the coolest thing I've ever done.
Well, did you grow um, up on Rage? Like, what did you? Totally. What did you grow? Because this is where my interest yeah. lies in the fact that, like, how did how did you wind up in dubstep? How did you wind up in this side of things? Because I feel so, like I, you have a good background in in rap and fucking rock and shit like that. Like, how, what led you to the like EDM world? So basically, I grew up. My parents are are both big big mu- music people. They're not musicians, but they I I grew, I've been listening to music since I was very very young. I grew up on the Beatles and the Rolling Stones, Queen. Um, all of, you know, Elton John, all like the, the, the classic rock greats, um, was like, kind of like my first intro to music. And then as, you know, as most young men do go through different stages, like I went through a hardcore stage and then I, I mean, I started playing the drums when I was, uh, nine or 10 and then I played guitar and then I kind of fiddled around with bass guitar and, and then I started, and then I learned about engineering, um. And I started doing vocals and stuff like that. Um, and throughout that time, I've always had just a really eclectic choice in music. But like throughout high school, in like you know when when I was really kind of becoming a musician, I would, I only listened to like really southern rap. Like that mm-hmm. that's always been kind of my as a Nashvilleian, you know, just what I like. And then alongside, it was like two parallel tracks. I would be like, this is my the rap that I love, and this is like. I love everything else, like really into like indie music and really into rock and roll. Never really into like heavy metal, hardcore type shit besides my like emo phase in seventh grade. But um, so, yeah, like and then, you know, I was just a huge Rage fan, always have been. I feel like most people my age and your age probably just like, how can you not be? Um, I definitely like asked Tom if I could go on tour with him. (laughs) <laughs> I was, so like you know the, it was it was really during covid or it was like kind of towards the end of covid when when we started writing and they had their tour with uh run the jewels that they had just announced yeah and then it got canceled or, or delayed and then it got reannounced. and i was like tom i was like this is when we kind of became me and tom are our friends actually like we're actually friends we talk outside of music and he's always told me these awesome stories and he's just such an awesome dude. And uh, so I, at some point I, some, I just had the audacity to, or the balls to just be like, can I come with you? I was like, can you take me on the road? I'll play whatever you want. I'll play fucking deep house music. I don't care. I'll play anything to warm up the crowd. You got to take me on the road. He's like, no, Dude, I love doing that. And in, in like the musical perspective of like, you become friends with someone way bigger than you. And you're just like, yeah, wouldn't it be cool if I opened for you and like right. fuck the up. audacity, <laughs> the audacity? Like, no, I, I was like, that happened to me very, very, very recently. Uh, we're really good friends with the band OAR, uh-huh. and we're doing we're shooting some of them in two weeks. And uh, they were like, "Yo, you should come out and film the show. You can fucking sing the encore." And I was like, "Hell yeah!" I was like, "Do you want my band to open up the show?" And he's like, "No." But you can do everything else. And I was like, fuck it. Yeah, that sounds great, man. But yeah, that, you got to take what you can get. Oh, my. Has that ever worked for you, though? Have you ever like, had a situation where it was like you weaseled your way in? You know, no, but I always try. <laughs> I mean, I definitely weaseled my way into like successful situations before. Oh, yeah. Just when, you know, when I used to live in L.A., that's definitely how I got to the point that I am now. Um but like in you know, I really there throughout my career, and I think throughout most bass music artist career, there isn't much opportunity for true crossover. Mm-hmm. Like because it is such a kind of niche thing. Like you have to have on the other side of the collaboration someone who's really open minded, or someone who's like falling off, 
and like <laughs> needs the boost. and needs the boost, you know, yeah. and understands that like okay, cool, like you know, electronic music is huge. This is this is a way kind of it's another route in. You see a lot of rappers doing that now. Um, How did bass music kind of because it's bass dubstep? Like, are they, do they run hand in hand? Yeah. So bass music for me is like kind of like a broad term. EDM <laughs> is like the super broad term. Um, and then inside that bubble, there's bass music, which is like dubstep, drum and bass, maybe bass house, you know, anything that's, that's what I would consider to be high energy, okay. you know, I would just call bass music, but what? yeah, trap, dubstep, drum and bass. Caleb, know? what's the music? Remember you guys were having a fucking, you and Cole mm -hmm. were having like a talk in our group chat and you were talking about tech house. Yeah. And I was like, what the fuck is, I was like, they had like a 10 text long thread about tech house. And I was like, I have no idea what the so, fuck that means. So, so there's, there's house music and then there's certain subgenres of that. So like he said, like he's saying all these bass house. So house is like kind of a, it, house tends to be like on its own kind of a groovy type, type of, type of genre. Uh, tech house tends to get like weasel its way a little more into like a techno sphere. Not exactly, but it's a hybrid and then bass house is you start combining like there's a guy named F word who's really big into it, um, and he's probably one of the best. They're like Jaws and bass house is like these combinations of some of these like dubstep sounds into that groovy house beat. So bass house and tech house are my personal favorites. This and is why drum Caleb, and bass. This is why Caleb's here. He actually mm. knows what he's talking about. He my does. my, my thing. He is right. My thing is so I me and you were like the same age almost, right? Yeah. And I feel like you came to be like when dubstep really started happening. And when it was happening, I was in college and I was like, I don't right. understand this. But I've mm -hmm. always been intrigued with like this kind of like fucking cult fan base that it has. Like just like the most diehard fan base. Like if you fuck with that, that is what you're about. Like how did yeah. dubstep become what dubstep became? Like in the history of EDM music. So like, so dubstep, I first like got into dubstep in 2008, which is kind of when it kind of left the UK, which is where it started with like, you know, these guys, these just legendary dudes like Coca and Koki Imala and, and, and Rusko and Scream and Banga, all these guys who were UK dudes who basically, you know, without going in like a deep historic, like historical lesson on dubstep in around 2008, 2009, it, it came to the States and people started making it in the States and, and Canada, you know, like, Canadian dubstep, which is kind of when the term like bro step, which is kind of like the Americanized version of UK dubstep, which was a little bit more simple. Um, and um, so, so in like in 2008, you know, I, I was class 2008, I started the proto high project, I went to Arizona State, I started the proto high project my freshman year of ASU. And when I, I was, you know, in, in high school, I made hip hop like hip hop beats. It's, I got signed to a label and that's what I did. And then I went to college in my freshman year of college. I obviously, I didn't make music. I was, I was going to college. And then I stopped going to college. I just stopped going to class. It was ASU. And we just, no one went to school there, you know? So I was, and then I heard dubstep and like in Arizona, there were these desert raves that were, I don't, there's no way they can exist anymore, but <laughs> They, you know, it would be like you get you, you get one address and then you drive to that address and then the, and there's a person there at that address that has another address. And then you go out into the desert and it's like dirty cops at the gate, guns, Matt, like the biggest bonfire you've what ever seen in your fuck? life. Yeah. Shit. This was like in 2000 and maybe 11, 2010, 2009, like around then. And that's when I when I first really heard dubstep and I was like. 
I can get back into making music. I was like, there was a direct connection between the music, the hip hop music that I loved and dubstep that was like a step further. It was like similar drums, definitely similar energy and just kind of just high energy hype shit. And I was like, I want to do this. And then I just started doing it. And, um, and, uh, so yeah, that was how I, I heard dubstep. And then during all that time, you know, between 2009, 2010, 2011, the sound of dubstep started to become more Americanized and started to become more popular. I mean, part of the reason I ever even became semi-successful in the beginning was because no one was doing it. Like I happened, it it was a lot, it was a lot of luck and a lot of right place, right time type shit. And I'm very, very grateful that for the opportunities that I've had because of that. But it really was like, if I would have never heard that freshman year of college, you know, I, I wouldn't be here right now, probably. If you wouldn't have gone to those like human sacrifice desert raves, you would have never been where you are today. That's, that's right. Crazy. That's exactly right. Because I mean, that's how the prototype project kind of blew up. Because I was I would just play for free everywhere. I would tell DJs and, and the promoters that I would play for free. And in exchange for a chance to be in the green room with the with the headlining artists. Mm. And that's kind of how I was able to get my music, you know, the, the way you blow up as any sort of electronic musician nowadays is you get support from bigger artists. So if you can get like the big guys or girls or whatever playing, playing your music, then, then your the word spreads like, like wildfire. So that's how I was able to do that was breaking into green rooms with USB sticks and giving them to the big artists, the grind. Who would be the artist that first put you on? Would you say is like kind of like your OG in this perspective? So the first artist, I had a few kind of mentors in LA when I lived there, you know, 12 planet was, was a big one for me. And it's still oh my gosh, I love one, of my, one of my best friends. And he took me on a bus tour. That's it. We don't talk about him anymore, but, um, and then also, um, you know, the first person ever signed my music was excision, um, who is, you know, the biggest, the biggest artist in dubstep. So he had a label back in the day called rotten records and he signed my music to his label. And then, you know, Datsik picked it up and then he played my music. And I remember being in the crowd for his show and hearing my song the first time my, my song was ever played by like a, at a really big concert. And um, I remember I ran into the pit and I got knocked out instantly. <laughs> it was like one of the, one of like the, the, the just, just an awesome moment. And then after that, um, Datsik, signed me to his label and I started releasing all my music on firepower records, which was his label. Then I went on tour with him on the bus tour. And then I went on tour with excision on his bus. And then I went on tour with 12 planet on his bus. Those were kind of my three, you know, and throughout, throughout the, the time and experience spent there. I mean, I, I was able to just sponge, you know, so what happened, how I even got to LA was I got kicked out of ASU and <laughs> Two days before I got kicked out of ASU, I went, it was like that time of sophomore year when you got to go and talk to your academic advisor and pick your classes. And I, and this is like right when the prototype project was kind of starting to take off. And um, I told him, I was like, and I was on track. I was, I was on, I was double majoring in business and sustainability. Like I was going to get a good degree if I decided to go to class, but I didn't. And I was like, I want to go to LA to go to music school. And, and my, I remember like it was yesterday, my academic advisor was like, go. He was like, you can always come back. 
Yeah. I was like, God, that's hard as fuck. I was like, <laughs> let's fucking go. And uh, I was like, yeah, hell yeah. I was looking for any reason to get out of there, even though, you know, ASU is one of the greatest, most fun places in the world. But um, I was ready. I was like, I had like the bug, you know, for, for, for music. And I was, my music was getting way better. And I was just addicted to playing shows and performing. And I was like, I got to go. I got to see this through. And, um, and then a few days later, I got kicked out of ASU for a bunch of dumb shit. And I was like, okay, now I definitely got to go to LA. God was was pushing you that way. Yeah, yeah, totally. I mean, like, it was like, you know, the the window was cracked and I just got kicked out and the window got broken open and I just had to jump. And it was great, man. I, I, I moved to LA to go to music school at this school called the Icon Collective, which at the time was really small. And now I, you know, I teach, I teach there now. So I help run their online program and is, and is just like a staple, like have pumped out all the legends, you know, it's like out like an Alabama football program. Jesus. It's like, you go to icon, you're, you'll be all right. You know, what do you I tried to go, you tried to go Caleb. <laughs> I tried to go to icon. Yeah. What happened? uh i i second guess myself i was like man like you know there's so much there's so many like i i still produce to this day and that's actually how i paid for part of college but um man i couldn't like i couldn't push myself like past that ledge and then like two straight years into college i just stopped making music and then i ended up getting back into it but it was like i don't know i couldn't i couldn't figure out the, like finances i couldn't i couldn't figure i like i, yeah, I completely tough. second guess myself Isn't it, it's, it's a lot isn't it amazing music is one of the only things that like you have to have these fucking existential crises about about like doing it like nobody is ever like all right i'm gonna be, become a firefighter nobody's like but can i fucking do it can i afford it like we right. live in this fucking realm where it's like everything we do is second guess every life decision we make is second guess and then you wind up looking at dudes like max who wind up fucking killing it and it's like why did i ever second guess myself you know what i mean like how much of that did you have max like where you were like Am I making the right choice? Am I going to ever fucking do this? Or was it just kind of balls to the wall? Like, I got this. Yeah, I never second guess it once. Atta and I think, I think that's why I was successful. I was able to become successful as I've just never, ever, for a moment, had any sort of doubt that I was going to do something else instead. Now, there have been moments where I wish I was doing something yes. else, like, for sure. But, like, was this going to work for me? Like, it. I also just got, like, A, I, wor- I just kind of worked harder than everyone else that was yeah. kind of around me. And I, and then B, I, I got, I got lucky a lot. You know, I got a lot, I got lucky breaks. I think getting kicked out was like the luckiest thing that ever happened to me. Cause when I moved to LA, I was able to go and, you know, go to school and, uh, and tour and just be like kind of fully immersed in the place that I didn't really realize that how much I needed to be there, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and then when it was, when things were rolling, you know, I lived in LA for like eight years and then I just was, one day it was kind of like, I'm gonna go home. I don't need to be here anymore. It was a, it was I, it was getting toxic for me. I was just like being a piece of shit, you know. L.A. is that though? Like that you know? happens out there. Like yeah, when there's nothing but the industry. Although to be fair, you're from an industry city. You live in a fucking industry city now. Yeah, but it's a different industry city. Like it's yeah, it's totally less of the the scumbag aggression of Los Angeles. Yeah, because like, every every douchebag from every small town in America is like, all right, I'm going to move to L.A. I'm going to mm-hmm, make it. No doubt. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, but, dude, so, I mean, just uh, like kind of like rounding out the conversation here, because you will be back on. Like, I plan to have you back on as much Sweet. as you want to be on. Yeah, um, I'm, I'm here, man. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a valuable resource. 
Yeah, obviously, dude. You're the <laughs> fucking liaison here. You're bringing us. <laughs> I'll see my. I'm gonna see myself out. Yeah, you're you're done, Caleb. I'm sorry. Yeah, no. So the whole thing for me, like we've had Frank Walker on here, who's from a completely different side of the EDM world, mm-hmm. and we have we've had Matthew Coma, who's a mm-hmm. songwriter and wrote like Clarity by fucking yep. Zed and shit like yep. that on here. Yeah, he's amazing. But like to me, like I view kind of your side of of dubstep or your side of EDM world almost like punkish to me. Like I mean, just from an outsider's perspective, like where does dubstep sit in that world? Like, is it more of the punk scene? Is it more of like the like avant garde off the wall shit? Or like where where is it in, in the EDM? I world? wouldn't say it's really uh, avant garde. You know, it's it is like once you like listen for a little bit and you kind of understand exactly what it is and you know you without going deep into subgenres and stuff like that which there really aren't even that many of i mean it's definitely more of like the the main it's like high energy mosh pit headbanging type shit that's that's like one huge lane of dubstep there's there's like really chill dubstep and then there's other shit, but that's kind of the main lane. Like if you look at like someplace like Lost Lands, the, the right. music festival, like that's like the dubstep Super Bowl. And it's just like people go there to go crazy. So yes, I think comparing it to like an electronic punk kind of rock, like rock star type shit. It is rocks. It is as rock star as, as like you know, the thing about being an electronic music producer is that you can be a complete introvert, nerd, loser, weirdo, <laughs> and become famous. Caleb, you have a shot, dude. <laughs> I knew that was coming. I, <laughs> Did you see the wheel spinning? I was like... <laughs> I was like, oh, no. <laughs> um, I saw so the pitch going. You can, but, like, it's, you know, the guy, the guys or girls or whoever that become that get the break who are actually rock stars... Those are the ones that that ball out, you know. Mm. Um, those are the ones that you really want to go see perform and stuff like that. And I, so I do think that there's an element of badassery that I've always loved about, you know, as like just who I am inside, you know. Performing kind of brings that out of me, and I love just being an artist and being able to tour the world and play music that I made in my house. As much of an introvert as I am there's you know with extroverted tendencies tendencies so yeah i i I would um i would say punk punk is a pretty good comparison rock like rock star type shit well you're on you're on tour now like you're you're playing dates Uh, right now right yeah yeah. where are you at next so i just started my tour it's the enter neon tour um the next run well the the show the store the tour really begins in august that the show in tampa was kind of like the very beginning and then there was like a little break but so uh august um august 5th i'm in atlanta august 6th i'm in savannah um, it's basically just weekends. So like, nice. And then um, some of the dates I'm playing, you know, there's there's Seattle, there's uh, there's Vegas, um, there is kind of uh, Nashville, um, um, DC, Virginia Beach, um, kind of all over the fucking place. Hell yeah! And then that's phase one, and we're gonna announce phase two, which which will have more dates. So we're gonna get we're gonna get our people out there for sure. Uh, I do have an idea though, and this okay. just popped into my head. Okay. So we're doing more in person uh, content for backstage now. Mm-hmm. Uh, like we're filming with the Black Keys this weekend. We're doing a bunch of shit. Sick. Can you take my young Padawan, fucking Caleb? We need to we need to get, do something with you two. Okay. Like, I don't know what it is. Maybe produce a fucking track together. Get him in the studio. Something. Oh my God. Yes, that's what I'm. T- I know. This is. Okay. This is your Tom Morello moment, dude. This is. Yeah. <laughs> and then you're gonna take him on tour, and this uh-huh. is how we're gonna do it. Okay, we got a bar stool tour. 
Obviously, I think that's the plan. Blackout 2.0. Blackout. Yo, Dante ran the blackout tour. He did. And Griffin opened for him, which is the craziest thing. I He went by like Panda or something Wait, back then. Really? I didn't know that. You didn't know that? Griffin was the opener for the blackout tour. That's when he blew up was because of Barstool. Wait, it so was Dante, the most bizarre right place, right time. Dante had a hand in that, and, and he's not been on the fucking podcast yet. He, he was – Dante interviewed him when he opened at Forward Nightclub in That's Cleveland right. like a year ago, like right when all this started, like when TiVo and them were like the name of the show. Who was on the blackout tour? Well, so the blackout uh, t- Do you remember when like fucking like the day or the day glow shit was going yeah, on? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was like Barstool's version of that. Okay. Uh, and Dante was the DJ for the entire tour. Okay. But I, Dante's a, one of our co-hosts. Right. So I need to get you hooked up with Dante too, because Dante yeah. runs a bunch of clubs uh, in Cleveland and fucking all over the place. Awesome. Yeah, I would, I would love, to, I would love to talk to Dante. That'd be sweet. But no, we need to have you back on. We need to film some content because now yeah. I'm, now I'm intrigued. Now I need to know more. I about mean, now you have to come. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yes, I will yeah. gladly. Uh, are you, you going to be? I I live in Philly. Okay. Born uh, are you coming? Philly? Yeah. I mean, I hope so. I might go up there for the Braves Phillies game at some point, but um. You're a Braves fan. I'm a Braves fan. That's right. If you come to Philly, call me and I'll fucking take you out and we'll go, we'll go to a Phillies game. Okay, that sounds fun. Uh, um, I am going to come up for the Eagles game. That's for sure. Are you a Falcons fan or a Titans fan? I'm a Titans fan. Dude, thank you for AJ Brown, dude. You fucking scrub. That had to break your heart. You know, it was it the the shock of it was was probably the weirdest part. Just wasn't. But he was also being a, you know, a bitch. Yeah. On like the the the, the previous weeks before, and you know, with all that shit with with football, there's so much pol- there's so much politics that you oh, don't yeah. hear about. So I don't know. I mean, obviously, it's a bummer. I love AJ Brown. I got the AJ Brown jersey. Like, that sucks. Um, but you know, and our replacement is like, apparently I, I, you know, I can't really talk about the Titans right now because I'm directly associated with the Titans. So I, uh-huh. I, I work with them on, on music and stuff like that. So I can't really just go out here, like trash him, blaming anybody. <laughs> you know, I will say how much I love Derrick Henry. Kevin Byard is one of my favorite players ever, you know? So, uh, yeah. So I'm going to mob up to, to the Eagles Titans game in the fucking brick ass cold. Good luck, okay. by the way. Don't do what the t- – dude, one of my favorite memories of all time because I am a born and raised Northeast Philadelphia, and I'm thinking NFC Championship game 2018. The Vikings fans came up here, and they put a fucking jersey on Rocky, and then they did their stupid skull chant on the art museum steps, and then they got their asses beat in the parking yeah. lot. Don't- well, I know what, what Philly fans are. You know, um, my grandma's from Philly. Like, I have family in Philly. So, like, yeah, yeah. Um, so – I know that, and also the Titans fans aren't douchebags. No, too nice like the actually. Eagles fans, but too like, nice. Right. I mean, we'll see. I mean, who knows? It's too early to talk shit. That's for sure. Well, I'm co- still in baseball mode right now. Listen, come Bro, on. I'm an Ohio you- State fan. That's all we do. I get it. That really is all. And I'm a Michigan fan, so dude, we have a great triangle here of hatred. Oh no, no. I love I love <laughs> yeah. the hatred triangle here. It's Hell great. Yeah. No, come to Philly. I'll take care of you. We'll go to a game. All right. Okay, that sounds fun. All right, Max, come back on soon. You okay. are now a member of the team. Come on whenever you feel like it. Um, go see Protohype on tour. Listen to all the music. Uh, Max, anything else for me? That's it, man. Thank you for having me on, and I look forward to coming back and hanging out with you all in person. Hell yeah, brother. All right, everybody, go check out Protohype. We'll talk to you soon, all right? Later, boys. 
All right, so that was our friend Proto Hype, Max Hype. Go check him out. He's going to be on tour this summer, finishing out the summer. Uh, cool dude, great music. Look, I'm excited. Maybe I'll start getting into the EDM world. I'll start learning a little bit. Who knows? All I know is we now have an ally in that community. Uh, Dave, let's go into on list, off list while we're waiting for Jet Ski. Uh, I'll start it out. My on list is Trainwreck Woodstock 99. There's a new Woodstock 99 documentary dropping on Netflix today. I don't remember Woodstock 99. We've talked about this a bunch on the podcast. I'm excited to watch the shit show and see some boobies probably because apparently that was a big thing. There is another. Kind there is we capture the '60s and '70s hippie age, except like weird and with like a bunch of like, sexual, yeah, like, like sexual assaults and stuff. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so I'm I'm excited to see that. I I I want to like see what the hype was about. But uh, Dave, who's on your list? On my list is like I said, the Turnpike Troubadour. So when we started this show, we we're talking about bands to reach out to. And during the pandemic is when I really got into the Turnpike Troubadours and I never go out of my way to listen to country music. And it even took me a while to say they were a country band. I still don't think they're like, I don't like pop country, like popular country music. Like I said, Kenny Chet, like there's good songs. It's not my style. Right. Turnpike Troubadours. I could throw on every album, listen, start to finish. And I fucking love that band. So I reached out to them in 2020 like summer 2020 to see I remember that. On the show. Yeah. And their management team did get back. And they're like, Hey, they're, they're not touring right now. They're not really together right now. Like they're not doing any press right now. There's just no point to interview them while they're back. I don't know how long we'll be back for. So I cannot wait to fucking see this band tonight because it might be the only time I ever get to see them. And I got to imagine they just put on a killer show. A you killer got show. me into them. You got me into uh, they're awesome. They're yeah. awesome. It's like a symphony, man. Like I appreciate it. they they got 12 instruments going, three different singers. It's like a math equation that makes great music, you know? That's so a I great way to put it. God damn, that was like a really eloquent way to put that, Dave. It's what it is. It's like it's like that's why I don't like oh Dave Matthews band sucks. It's like you might not like them, but they objectively are very good at what they do. I'm a you huge know? I'm a huge Dave Matthews fan. I'm, I'm I have absolutely no problem saying that. Call me a goofy white guy. I don't give a fuck. I love Dave Matthews. I've seen Dave Matthews 10 times. I have no reservations about saying that. I love him. Uh, my off the list is Iman Shumpert. You know, remember Iman Shumpert? Oh, yeah. He's a Chicago guy. He's from Oak Park River Forest High School. My graduating class, he was a five-star recruit. He was a big, big deal in the Chicagoland area when he was up and coming. But what about him? He's a fucking great basketball player. Uh, also married to Tiana Taylor. Uh, great, great artist. Iman Shumper was just arrested at the Dallas-Fort Worth area airport with six ounces of weed in his backpack. I mean, why? You can fucking get weed anywhere you go. You're in and America. Dude, at any airport now, I mean, in legalized states, like, you can walk in and get through TSA with weed on you so long as it's a personal amount. Why do you have to have that much weed? In on his you? carry-on backpack had six like, ounces what? Ah, he deserves to go to jail for life just for being an idiot. Jesus. Like, yo, I realize you're rich and everything. And look, I got no problem with weed. But, dude, just go find weed when you land. Being rich, isn't that one of the things you have gophers to go get you weed? Six ounces, dude. Brittany Griner's going to jail for nine years for a fucking half-used vape cartridge. And on that note, Russia is off my list. Fuck Russia. Russia's off my list for more reasons than one, but nine years for a fucking... 
weed vape cartridge come on man you know why they did that though right you're a it's fucking she's american and she's a public figure that's exactly what it is they're just yeah, egging us like, on yeah i mean if it was me or you nobody would have batted an eye you know oh no we would be in we would be in fucking siberia right now either that or i don't think anything would have happened they wanted to make an example out of an american public figure which is ridiculous and it's playing with somebody's life um fuck russia like no doubt in my mind about that as if there isn't enough reasons to hate Russia, but this whole thing is fucking ridiculous. Like also I don't, I don't know. Like I feel for Brittany Griner so much and I, I more than anything, like I'm just, this is fucking just child asinine bullshit. Like also I, people in, in America in jails for weed. Also fucking people on Twitter, like the right wing people who are like should have followed the laws. Like fuck you, dude. Like you know it's childish bullshit. It just doesn't fit your narrative. Like get the fuck out of here. Like, I mean, there is an element of that for me too. Like sure. she knows the rules. She fucked up, but nine years. Like the punishment should fit the crime. Like slap her with the fucking five hundred dollars like citation, whatever. Give her, give her. You know she broke the rules, but nine years for that—that's outrageous. There's a lot of dumb laws. A lot of, of dumb laws sure in the world. Plenty of them over there. But it absolutely has nothing to do with the fact that she had a fucking vape cartridge in her bag. It's the fact she's Brittany Griner, she's an American, and we're in the midst of a situation where they're trying to prove a point. Fuck that. And I, it's like, I hate when people will take situations like this on Twitter and then twist it to fit a narrative. Like, there was a, or there was a congresswoman who died yesterday in a fucking car crash, and because she was a Republican, people were on Twitter being like, good, I'm oh, glad yeah. she's dead. Dude, that's nuts. That's fucking crazy. Cheering on death. And in perfect timing while we're talking about weed, we have Mr. Wayne Jetski stopping by. Jetski, what's happening, buddy? How are we doing, guys? Can you hear me? Usually when I when I join this, I have terrible microphone you problems. You sound so. excellent. Yeah, you sound great. Fantastic. Dude. You sound great. better than you do on any of the songs that you put on Spotify. <laughs> Speaking of that, dude, didn't you just drop new music? Yeah, I dropped two new songs, like a little EP uh, called Two for One. Uh-oh. Oh, he's got no Wi-Fi. It's fucking Pete. All business Pete, dude. Fucking the Wi-Fi up. Traditional rap song. <laughs> yeah, you just fucking froze the entire time you were talking. You Did said you dropped a new EP. You said you dropped a new EP, and then all I heard was traditional rap song. Uh, yeah, I dropped a new EP. It's two songs. One is kind of like more country influence. I would say I kind of like the new sound that like Mike Studd's going for. It's yeah, like yeah, a little yeah. bit of trap country and then a regular rap song. Nice. Uh, you're doing the pop punk show at Grand Mercy Theater, right? I am on Saturday. I'm very excited about that. Oh my god, what's the set list looking like, dude? Uh, so last time when I opened up for them on December, I did mainly just like my own rap shit. I'm gonna try to incorporate some covers that are a little bit more alternative leaning. I think just to kind of you know lead into them a little bit better. The crowd liked the the, the rap shit, but I feel like because they're you know doing rock stuff i think i want to try to incorporate that, that that a little bit i don't know exactly what that's going to be but it'll be a blend of my own stuff and some and some different type of covers i enjoy the fact that the show is two days away and you're like yeah i don't know we'll figure it out well i know what i'm going to do for my songs like, i have my own set list like, pretty much structured but i don't know like the the ones i'm going to pick and play yet i'm, I'm thinking about i don't want to i don't want to give it out but yeah, uh, don't give I, it out i got i got some good uh some good little covers i'm going to throw in is it intimidating to know the fact that the singer of pop punk could probably outwrap you no, he definitely could outrap me. He's not probably. He 100% could outrap Dave, me. Dave, have you ever heard Roan's rap shit? Uh, I've seen the clips on social media and everything. Go online and look up Roan versus Big T. Yeah, yeah. I've seen, I've seen like YouTube videos and stuff. Like, 
that's why I don't like being in the same room as that guy because he's just so much smarter than me that like he intimidates me, you know? Yeah, yeah. it's fucking crazy. Also, he went to St. Joe's Prep in Philadelphia, which is the prep school. It's the rich kids. So I love Roan, but yeah, one time when we used to do Barstool Breakfast, we would have him on every so often. And like Willie knew I rapped. Willie liked the fact that I could rap. And a couple of times he had me, one time he had me freestyle with Roan. So it wasn't like any type of battle rap. And then the second time he made us go back and forth. And like I can freestyle, but when we went, go, we're going back and forth, Roan just like roasted me. And he definitely was not pulling like a lot of punches. He was just kind of going easy on me. And I was like, this guy could fry me if he yeah. wanted to. Yeah, yeah, it, yeah. It, it's, I'm dead serious. I remember I, I didn't know about the Roan battle rap thing. And then a clip came up and I was like, that's fucking Roan on Twitter. And then I went and I Googled. Yeah, or I, I mean, like, he's been doing this for like years and years. Mad long. He did it at Penn State. Um, but yeah, that's fucking intimidating. But uh, Jetski, so how's the release been of the new songs? Because I, I saw you were putting on TikTok that your song you did better on the songs you didn't push pre saves on than the ones you did. Yeah, so I was getting kind of frustrated with like the the, the pre save stuff because I don't know. I think it's it's tough to incentivize people to even click a link when they're not getting anything out of it. So yeah. I was having issues, not issues. Like it wasn't like the songs weren't streaming well, but it was just like, I was looking at the, cause in the back end of your Spotify, you can see, I don't know. It doesn't give you exactly the pre-saves, but it tells you how many saves there are. And I was just like, these people aren't pre-saving these songs. And I'm just like blindly throwing out a pre-save link that no one's clicking. And people are probably getting annoyed by it. Yeah. So I didn't promote the song really at all until, or the, the EP until it was out. And it streamed way better than my, uh, my last two releases that I had previously like pushed for a month prior like pre-save 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 so i know it's a different school of thought but i feel like we're in the instant gratification generation and i think people would much rather click a link if they know the song's out than just click a link to then click another link to pre-save something that doesn't give them anything dave answer me this if the band says to you click this link and put your spotify information in in order to pre-save a song like it'll just it, it does nothing for the listener nothing. that'll be out in a week are you clicking that link and putting your information in? Probably not. What the fuck? Who does that? I've been asking for years. Why is this a thing? Like, why is the pre-save such an important thing? It makes no fucking sense to me. But I'm glad to see that it didn't matter for you, Jetski. Yeah, and also, I think, um, I guess when if you're a major label artist or like a huge artist, and if you throw that link out, you're going to get thousands of pre-saves. Yeah, yeah. It makes it... it it'll do something to the algorithm, but like, I don't know if I get a couple hundred resaves, I don't think it's going to affect anything. I'd rather just draw as much people to the, the actual song when it first comes out as possible. So that's, I think what I'm going to start doing moving forward. And also we talk I've, a few times I've been on here. We always talk about fucking TikTok, and like, I hear so many fucking people on TikTok Like you have to push the pre-save, have to push the pre-save. So I finally said, fuck the TikTok uh, music fucking gurus. And I just did what I thought was right. And it kind of worked. By the way, dude, on your show, almost viral, you had my boy fucking Armani white. Yeah. On. I want to say shout out Armani White. He's been a um, numerous time guest of on the guest list. This dude just signed a Def Jam, and he put a video up of him giving his mom $100,000 cash. Yeah, I saw that crazy. If you know Armani's backstory, and you know what this dude's been through in the past two years, I almost fucking cried. I, I texted him right away, and I was like, I fucking love you, dude. This dude was in jail because his house burnt down, and the cops thought he committed arson. Oh, I didn't know that. Damn. Wish I had known about that previously interviewing him. Did you guys talk about it on your episode? I don't know if I... Uh, this was a, a while back. Obviously innocent. And in that, since that time, has just been on a fucking tear and is now signed to, like, the most legendary rap label of all time. Swimming in money. He's, on, he's in Atlanta right now. I'm so fucking happy for that guy. I really am, dude. 
it seems like he also, from what he said, he said I'm a partner with them too. So I feel like he probably got some leverage maybe with the song. And he might have an the, imprint. Got like a, a sweet deal from it. Good. It's fucking bang. I hope so. Uh, uh, Jeski, so what else is going on with you right now? Uh, like I said, pro- trying to get oh, I cut off when I was saying it. But the reason I put out two songs instead of one, because um, I usually just do singles, is I just have so much music on my hard drive right now that needs to get out. So I'm going to probably start putting out um, not full albums, but I got an album ready to go, but I'm going to start putting out a couple EPs until the fall album in the fall, probably. Um, and then, yeah, just, just working on some music stuff, obviously going hard with the soccer stuff with troops. I'm, uh, interviewing people on, on the, the almost viral, uh, channel, um, trying to get that a little bit more focus and attention. It's tough with, with soccer going to be picking up, but that's really something I'm trying to build. I have a couple freestyles with a couple rappers that, that came by, um, there's this one kid that went viral and Barso posted him. His name, he went by Snacks Harlow. His real name, uh, I forgot what his real actual rap name is, which is terrible. Uh, Fleshy Too Fat is his name, but he's a sick uh, freestyler. And uh, we did kind of like a, a radio style freestyle. So I'm really excited to put that out. Um, so yeah. Are you not Barstool's Tim Westwood? Um, I would like to be. I didn't really drop any any like funk flex bombs or get into his ear while he was going, but uh, he he like we were in the podcast studio, he was flowing, and uh, we had a couple different cameras set up, and his name is like Fletchy Too Fat, aka Snacks Harlow. So I took all the snacks out of the uh, bar stool like <laughs> kitchen and put them in front of him, and he was like opening up Doritos and rapping about Doritos as he was eating it. So it was pretty funny. We need to get you a DJ drop. I, I used to make them for uh, bar stool breakfast, but I never made one for myself. So I should probably look into that for sure. Just make the most ignorant reggaeton air horn with your name just blaring behind it. Dude. <laughs> I like that. Um, all right. Well, we're gonna we're gonna let you go. I wanted to have you on to be able to like talk about the the Grand Mercy show a little bit. I know Dave's got to run too. Um, I want to thank Proto Hype for coming by. Great, great interview. Uh, we have a lot going on next week. We have Midland, one of the biggest country groups in the world, Grammy nominated. Fucking, I'm wearing a cowboy hat, Dave. I don't know if you can get your hands on one, but I'm wearing a cowboy hat for that. Going to a western store after work today. There you go. Right. Yeah. Uh, and then I don't know where Dante is. Dante was at, I wanted to talk about fucking Dante was at Madison Square Garden last night for uh, Swedish House Mafia, which once again, we're talking, we had, we had an EDM DJ on today. I knew nothing about Swedish House Mafia. I just know people lose their goddamn mind over him. And he just texted the group last night and said 7.5 out of 10 wasn't that great. I want to know why. I saw a bunch of people on my sto- uh, on their stories, a couple kids that I went to college with who were, who were there, and they would look like they were melting their faces off. We, I had a big phase in, uh, in college where I thought I was really into EDM, and then I realized I was just into ecstasy. So <laughs> I appreciate it, but I appreciated the drugs more. Dave, did you ever get into an EDM phase at all? I never did, no. Yeah, it does not it's just not my it's, – it's, I like the music, but I don't like the scene. Like, I'm not going to fucking an underground club with – all these bottles are like, that's not, that's not me. It's like, not I my bag, dude. That. I can admit oh. it's not my bag. I'm not going to act like I sit yeah. here and I'm like, I know anything. I, that's why we had prototype on. I wanted to I'd learn. rather sit in a fucking dive bar with touch tunes. That's, that's my bag. You know, they're all yeah, Mariah Carey. Yeah. All I want for Christmas is you in the middle of July. Yep. Exactly. Uh, all right. Well, thank you, Wayne Jetski. Go see him with pup punk at grand mercy theater on Saturday night. Uh, Dave, anything else for me? I got nothing. Uh, I'll report back on the smoke out on uh next week's episode all right well we'll see you guys I next can't week wait to eat mountains of carolina texas nashville kansas city barbecue it's gonna be outstanding <sighs> i got a wedding this weekend i gotta i'm in a wedding this weekend so shout out my boy steve kessler one of my best friends in the world let's get married on sunday uh, i gotta play golf this weekend so that's really what i'm into um boys love you guys we'll see you guys next week we're out peace